Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Good Tuesday afternoon. Look at that. A balmy 7 degrees. Okay, there's a bit of a wind behind that, but it is melting the snow like crazy. Later on this hour at 3.30, I want to open up the phone lines because part of me thinks we're just a bunch of wimps when we can't handle a little snow and we expect the city to do everything for us. But that's not the topic I'm talking about this half hour. What's the saying? The two things in life that are sure is death and taxes. We've got tax season just around the corner. March 1st is the deadline if you invest in RRSPs as a way to maybe not give all of your money to the government. Jerry Vitoratos is the lead tax specialist at UFile, one of Canada's leading tax filing software companies. He joins us today. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Angela. How's it going? It's going well. And I know we chatted last year, Jerry, and you were pretty good at taking listeners' calls. Are you okay if people have questions about taxes to see if you can help them out? Sure, absolutely. 403-974-8255. I don't like to throw the number out, Jerry, in case my guest is saying, no, I'm not prepared to talk to my listeners. But I seem to remember last year you were pretty good at taking listeners' questions. And we are talking about RRSP time. We know that in the next couple of weeks, well, we're probably seeing them now, all the uh, commercials saying, make sure you get your RRSP. Why should I invest in RRSPs, Jerry? It is really the, the the best vehicle for for your pension plan, for your future pension, uh, especially for those of us who don't have any employer-sponsored pension plans. So a lot of companies, or even if you work for the government, a lot of times they've got you know employer-sponsored uh, employer, uh, pension plans. Unfortunately for a lot of Canadians, they don't have that luxury. So the RSP really becomes a great vehicle for those individuals to save for the future. And the, and the reason for that, and the main reason for, and, and even for those who do have employer-sponsored pension plans, it is still a great vehicle to save for your pension plan because it does really two things. Uh, one, it defers your taxation on any income that you earn within that plan. So anything you put into your RSP, the tax man does not touch until much later on in life uh, you, when the government usually requires you to to pull out at 71 years old. Mm -hmm. The second is the instant gratification, is the fact that you get a tax deduction on your return. Uh, So if you made, for example, $40,000 during the year and you contribute uh, $3,000 in your RSP, well, now you're going to get taxed on $37,000 and not forty. So you're saving, essentially, you're getting a deduction on your income, uh, on the income that gets taxed on your return. And you get an instant return on your tax return. You get an instant tax savings. So really, that, that two-pronged approach of the RSP is what makes it so advantageous. RSPs have been around for a long time. And then a few years back, under Stephen Harper, they introduced another savings vehicle in the TFSA. So suddenly Canadians had choices, which meant, wait a second, which one's better? Should I do the TFSA? Should I do the RRSP? So remind my listeners how TFSAs work and how they're different from RRSPs. 
Well, the, the one major difference is that second component that I mentioned before, uh, that instant gratification uh, that, that you get in the sense of you get a tax savings on your tax return with an RSP for every dollar that you contribute. Unfortunately, with the TFSA, it is not the case. Uh, with the TFSA, you don't get a tax savings when you contribute to the TFSA. Uh, that's, that's one. Now, other differences are the fact that your, your limit, remember with the RSP, uh, you, are, you have a limit as far as how much you're allowed to contribute. And that limit gets generated based on what the government calls earned income. Mm-hmm. So this income that you worked for, and you get basically take 18% of that income, and that's how much the government allows you to contribute to your RSP per year, and this amount accumulates. Meanwhile, with the TFSA, regardless of your background, regardless whether you are working or whether you are uh, retired or you're not working, you, ha- you are capped at 5500 every single year as far as your limit. Okay, that's how much you are allowed, which also accumulates as the years go by. Now, where the pendulum swings a little bit on the TFSA's advantage is the fact that when you pull money out of the TFSA, it is entirely tax-free. Mm-hmm. So when you pull that, that income out, you don't declare it on your tax return. It is in your pockets. Unfortunately, with the RSP, like I mentioned before, it is a tax deferral vehicle. It is not a tax savings vehicle. So the, the tax man doesn't touch the money, but eventually the government will require you to pull money out of it. At 71 years old is the, is the, maximum, is the maximum age that you are allowed to defer the tax. And then, if, and then at 71, you are required to pull a certain percentage every single year, which becomes taxable. So that, those are the major differences between the two plans. And what about the contribution limit? Because that changes as well, right? Between an RRSP and a TFSA, if I take out of my TFSA, then I have to wait a whole year before I can remind my listeners about that, because that's a little bit different too, isn't it, between the two? Yes, apart from the fact that uh, the limit, like I mentioned, is capped on the TFSA regardless of your background, while your RSP is a moving target because you know, it depends on what you earned in a year. Right? Right. So, so, th- so that's what it depends. The other major difference as far as the limit is concerned, you're absolutely right. When you pull money out of your, uh, out of your TFSA, you gain back that room. So, for example, if I, you know, if I, had, put in fi- uh, if I had a certain amount in my TFSA, I pull out $3,000 in the following calendar year, I add 3000 to the 5500 that the government gives me every single year. Right. The RSP, unfortunately, the moment you pull out, you don't gain that room back. You've lost it forever. So that 3000 that you pulled out will not get added to that 18% of your earned income that I mentioned before. So, so it's very, you know, you, what your listeners have to see it as, your RSP is more of a permanent pension plan. That's what they have to see because, because you really lose out on losing that room when you pull out of the RSP, plus the fact that you're getting taxed on that income as well. Meanwhile, the TFSA, the TFSA should be viewed more as more of a shorter-term vehicle because you could, you could put money in and you could pull it out without consequence, and then in the following year, you gain back the room. Yeah. Uh, what about, though, when it comes to the RSPs, um, your, your time in life? So is it when you're younger and you're not making as much that maybe you should be using the TFSAs? I, I mean, there's a couple of scenarios here that are running through my head, and maybe I should start with just the RSP. Because in a perfect world, I'm putting into the RSP when I am making a lot of money, so I'm deferring the tax till later on in life when ideally I'm making less, so I'm taxed at a lower level level. So I've got, I've had a bit of a tax saving there, correct? 
Yes, uh, in, in a pure, if you see this purely uh, in a tax, uh, on a tax level, yeah. uh, the higher the income you make, the more the pendulum swings to the RSPs because your, your tax deduction becomes that much greater. Mm-hmm. So somebody who's taxed at 22% who contributes, uh, sorry, 20 and a half, excuse me, I'm living in the past a little bit, yeah. uh, it, it, at the 20.5% bracket, uh, when they, you know, they, get much, they get more tax savings on their contributions than somebody who gets taxed at 15%. Okay, as compared to a TFSA. So, of course, yes, pure dollars and cents tax-wise, you're better off. The lower your income, especially if you're in the first bracket, it's more advantageous to stay with the TFSA. And then as you go along, as as you start jumping the brackets, uh, you start going higher in your income, then the RSPs uh, become advantageous. But what I would recommend either way is, you know, remember that it's a retirement vehicle. You're not using your RSPs just purely for tax savings. This is these are going to be the funds you're going to be living off of mm. when you are retired. So you want the compounding effect effect to to take effect essentially in your in your plans. So you know even even if TFSAs are more advantageous uh, when you're at the lower brackets, it's still advantageous to put in in one of them. Even if you're in in the fifteen percent bracket, because you allow the magic of compounding, you know, the, uh, to 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 work its to work its course yeah. as the years go by. So the, so really, it's important for your for your for your for for your listeners to understand: the sooner you invest, the better, because you allow that magic of compounding, which Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world. You allow that compounding to start earlier. Did Einstein really call it the eighth wonder of the world? I believe so. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a myth. I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe it's a myth, but I, that's what my understanding was. Jerry that he calls, calls it, it that. <laughs> okay. I, well, I do call it that, yes. Yes, because the younger you start, the better off you are. And, and, and if you don't believe me, go, go to retirement planner charts and see whether when you start saving at 25 or when you start saving at 35 or 45 and see the difference at the end of your, at, at your retirement age. See the difference of how much funds you have. I mean, it's, it's, it's astounding. Yeah. The difference is of, of 10 years. The sooner the better. Jerry, hold on. We yeah. want to take a break here. And as Jerry said, if you've got any particular tax questions, he'll do his best. I mean, it can't be really detailed, but 403-974-8255. We do have the RSP deadline coming up and maybe you're either younger or older and you're wondering, is it worth it? What if I'm in my 50s and I haven't put anything at RSPs? Seems a little pointless. We'll find out from Talking about RRSPs versus TFSAs, that is a lot of letters. Jerry Viterata, sorry about that. Jerry, a lead tax specialist at UFILE. And Jerry, I just looked up, not that Google is always right, but the quote is, compounding interest separates the rich from the broke. The great Albert Einstein once said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. Jerry, you were bang on with that. I've I've got a lot of texts and a few phone calls as well, Jerry. Um, Now, one person says here, should we take an RRSP loan? to max out our RRSPs? Uh, the answer, you know what, and, and, and Angela, the answer to any tax question is always, it depends. Yeah. Anybody uh. who answers you anything else, you know, is wrong. It's as simple yeah. as that. Um, uh, the answer is it depends. It depends on your situation. It, sometimes it is advantageous. It depends on what 
the deduction, what the tax savings will be uh, when you make that contribution. So, I mean, you know, a lot of the, there's different types of loans. You've got like the, what they call the top-up loan or the catch-up loans. And, and essentially what that is, is, uh, you know, let's say you don't have enough uh, out of your own funds to be able to contribute to your RSP, then you grab a, a, a loan and, and use that loan money to contribute to your RSP. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, the interest on the loan is not tax deductible because you're putting the money, you're taking the loan for a tax deferred vehicle like yeah. an RSP, the government will not give you a deduction uh, on the expense, which is the interest. However, the reason why there's, it's still advantageous in certain scenarios to do these kind of loans is because you can use the refund that the contribution creates in, in order to pay off a good portion of the loan. Right. Okay. And that's what they call the catch-up loan. So essentially, so for example, if your tax deduction is big enough, uh, you could you could make your you, you could repay the loan in two payments uh, within two years, and that's where it usually becomes advantageous. Because you're getting that instant gratification of the, that tax reduction off that tax deduction, uh, then you grab whatever you get from that tax deduction and right away reimburse a portion of that loan, uh, which, you know, you know, you don't get that kind of return when you, when you, when you take a mortgage out, for example, uh, but that's where, the, that's where an RSP loan becomes advantageous. But usually uh, you would want to do an RSP loan when you hit the second or third tax brackets, and we're talking about income of 44 to 45000 and above. If you're in the first bracket, an RSP loan is usually not that advantageous. But once you get into the second and third, the 44, 45 up, you're thinking it may make sense? It starts, yes. Then, then it starts making sense because now you're talking about, if I'm just thinking of Alberta right now, it's 20.5% uh, federal. You're saving, remember, whatever money you put in there, you're saving the tax percentage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for example, if you put in $10,000, you're, you're going to save uh, two, $200, $200 on the, uh, on the uh, what's called, the federal side, whatever it is, and 10% on the on the provincial side. So you're getting $300 instantly from the government. So you grab that 300 and you start paying back that loan, yeah. okay? Actually, I, I butchered it. It's actually, I, I forgot a zero. <laughs> Sorry oh. about that. It's actually, if I 10,000, it's 2,000 and, and, uh, and 1,000. So you're getting $3,000 back right away. So right there, you, you've already reimbursed 30% of that loan yeah. purely by making that contribution. So that's where it becomes advantageous. But the moment you, you're at the 15% bracket, which is below for 44,000, it will take you longer. The, 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 the refund will take longer to pay off that, that, that loan. Yeah. Jerry, someone says, I used 25K of my RRSP to buy my house in September of 2016. When do yes. I get the form to start paying back? Okay, so there's no form. Uh, I mean, there's a form when, when that person applied in order to take out the loan. Okay, right. so, the, so, so that's a, what they call the home buyer's plan. And essentially, they were able to, to take a loan from their, um, uh, from their RSP in order to put a down payment on their home. Right. Now, the, the government will, what happens now is that the government will require this person to start repaying that loan as of two, on the second year after the loan. So, which means that he took out the loan from what you're telling me in 2006. 16, yeah. which means in 2018, on his 2018 return and his 2018 contribution year, this person has to start reimbursing. All okay? right, so that's this uh, year then, but he'll be looking at that next year because he's looking back on the 2018 return, correct? Exactly, exactly. Okay. And, what, and, and it's in 15 installments. 
that this person will reimburse. Okay, so so he starts in 2018 and he reimburses one fifteenth of that $25,000. And he does this every single year. And the way you reimburse it is by simply contributing back to your RSP. That's all you need to do. You just contribute it back and on, on the tax return, you tell the government that you're designating uh, that contribution as a repayment for their home buyer's plan. Ah, uh, okay. So hopefully that's the answer on that one. Let me see if I can get in a phone call here. Hi, Dale. Sure. Hi, how are you, Angela? Doing well. What's your question for Jerry? Uh, I got a question here. It's a little off topic, but uh, my wife is on a CPP disability. Can I do a single tax return for my wife and I? I'm semi-retired, you know, with a low income, and I'm in my 60s, and I'm just I, I just can't seem to quite figure out what the what the deal is with that. Thanks for taking my call. So, so Dale, though, just to be clear, Jerry, do you have any questions for Dale? He's talking about a single return for his wife and himself. Then, is that what you're asking, yes, Dale? I, Dale, I guess. Oh, I think we're losing. Okay, I think. Sorry, we uh, Jerry. Were you able to understand enough from Dale's yes, scenario? There? Absolutely. Uh, well, let me let me let me answer the question. It's actually a very uh, straightforward uh, uh, question and answer in this case. There's no single return. Okay, when it comes to to a federal return, unlike mm. I believe in the United States, there is there is a common return that you can do, but in Canada there is none. Uh, essentially, what what what's going to happen is um, if Dale's wife if Dale's wife's income is low enough, then Dale will be able to claim his wife uh, as an uh, as for the, what they call the spousal amount, which is a non, uh, non-refundable tax credit. As long as Dale's uh, spouse has income of less than 11000 and change, mm-hmm. somewhere around there in, in, uh, in, uh, in Alberta, it's, I believe it's about fifteen or $16,000 and change, uh, then he will be able to claim his wife for the spousal amount, which is very similar to claiming your wife as a dependent. That's essentially what it is. Uh, and and uh, he'll be able to claim a, a, what they call a non-refundable tax credit to reduce his tax owing on his return. Uh, Jerry, I know you got to take a break, and um, we only had you for a half an hour, but I've got a bunch of other questions. Can I keep you just for a few minutes after the news just to answer some of these questions? Sure. Okay, let's put Jerry on hold, and uh, he can enjoy our Calgary News, 403-974-8255. I've just uh, got a bunch of text questions that I know I won't be able to answer, but Jerry will be able to probably rattle off an answer really quickly. Let's take a break now for news. Just finishing up my conversation with Jerry Viteratos. He is the lead tax specialist at UFile. And uh, Jerry's hanging around just so I can clear up a couple of uh, questions that came through the text, Jerry. Uh, one person here says, why didn't Jerry come and teach me this when I was still in school? I think that's a, that's a big issue here, especially when we talk about kids not being financially prepared when they leave high school. Yes, I, I totally agree on that. Uh, I, to me, in my opinion, there should be, a, at the very least, a personal finance course offered at the high school level, at the very least. And, and, and through that personal finance course, there should be an income tax component. Uh, because, and it's unfortunate because even, even you'll find that even, uh, uh, even in the financial planning industry, sometimes you'll find people that are not, that are not that well versed in, in taxation either, unfortunately. And, and it's such a huge component of personal finances. And unfortunately, a lot of people leave a lot of money on the table because they don't realize what they're entitled to. And it's really unfortunate. So, yes, I totally agree uh, with that comment. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why I really love the work Junior Achievement does here in southern Alberta because they go out to classes and they really make sure kids kind of have a a general understanding. Okay, a couple of questions here. Uh, One person says, is it smart to put money into your RRSP to get a bigger tax refund than to put the refund money... Oh, wait. 
Sorry, I'll try that again. Is it smart to put money into your RRSP to get a bigger tax refund and then put the refund money into a TFSA? You, you know what? It could be a very good strategy as well. Yes. I mean, that, that, w- that could work very, very well as long as you're able to do that. Because unfortunately, you know, uh, on the finance side, a lot of us, uh, you know, are, to make ends meet, sometimes we don't have that kind of luxury of being able to contribute to both plans. Uh, but if you can do that, absolutely. That is, that is an amazing plan, actually. Grab your, you know, you, use, put the money. And remember, whatever money you're putting in your RSP, that's your money that you're going to retire on. Right. The tax savings is the cherry on the top. The purpose of the RSP. Is, to, is for you to shelter your retirement, your future retirement funds. You get that instant gratification of the bonus of that tax deduction. If you could grab that deduction, put it into FSA, absolutely. Yeah. Go right ahead. It's a great plan. It's a great strategy. I don't know about the instant gratification. I'd be calling it instant satisfaction. I've got other things that I'll do instant gratification over. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, okay, Jerry, here's another one. What about loans from RSPs for education? If I make no money this year, is it better to just swallow the tax hit? Can my wife claim me as a dependent? I don't know if there's a few questions there. Um, Did you get any of those? Yeah, actually, there is a plan uh, very similar to what the what the, to, to the home buyers plan that I spoke about before, which the government offers called the lifelong learning plan, ah. which you can borrow very again the similar concept. You borrow from your RSP, and then you repay your RSP through installments. Hmm. Okay, just like you do with the home buyers uh-huh. plan. The only right. catch, though, the only catch though is that so in other words, you pull it tax free, so there's no tax consequence right away, and then you may I, I believe the, it's ten installments that the government allows you to do, although you you usually start pretty much right away. Mm. Uh, but again, it's in 10 installments, so it's not so bad. And um, uh, that, you know, that, so I would recommend doing that. There's just one major catch, though. Uh, the catch is that you have to be a full-time student. It can't be for somebody who's doing this part-time. Uh. So, so if you pull out, if you, if you pull out of you, under the lifelong learning plan, you have to show proof to the government that it is that you are a full-time student. So that's the only catch there. And then he, and part of it, can my wife claim me as a dependent? So would that be the same thing? He's not making any money this year. He's just a student and he could be a dependent. Yes, similar to the question that I had before, uh, to Dale's question. So it's all based on income. If the only income that he has is what he withdrew from the lifelong learning plan, right. that, that income is not taxable. So at that point, yes, he would be claimed as a dependent on his wife's return. Absolutely. Here's another one. Uh, regarding RRSPs, ask about tax implications on death, especially when the money goes to an estate. Example, no spouse left, just a state to be settled. Okay. Essentially, the 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 moment the, uh, the uh, a taxpayer dies, there's a deemed disposition of that account. Okay, so that account basically gets liquidated. Okay. Okay. As as of the date of death. Now, transfers that go to spouses. So let's say in the will, you've written that it goes to your spouse or a, a spousal trust. They will transfer over tax free. Okay. Uh, now, any other transfer that happens that does not go to the spouse, unfortunately, becomes taxable uh-huh. in the year of death, e- even if it transfers over to an estate. Uh, so that's so. So when it comes to this kind of uh, estate planning, that's something to really consider. It's a very important consideration whether you want to transfer to your spouse everything, or you want in, you want to include your children as of the moment of death, mm. because the, the tax implication can be huge. Yeah, the difference. Uh, Jerry, as always, thanks so much. Thank you for inviting me again. Thank you. Jerry Viteratos, he is with UFILE, and he knows his taxes. Let's check our traffic.